the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. When was the last time you wore a mask? I'm talking about the ones that they asked us to wear during the pandemic. Have you worn one on a plane, uh, at a large gathering, or are you saying, I will never wear one again, <laughs> like my 17-year-old son is saying? And we hope that there's never another mask mandate. Another question, though, is, did the mask mandates even work? Did we have data to suggest that masking up was actually going to prevent or solve COVID for us? We've seen now that the vaccines didn't do what they were promised. Did the masks do what Everyone told us, Dr. Fauci, the CDC, they told us, mask up, save your neighbor, save your family. And we still see some mask mandates with little kids, which to me is ridiculous. Well, you know, I've asked myself often, do we have the data? What does the data look like? Ian Miller, who went to USC film school and writes a lot about Hollywood, but also writes about sports and other things, World War I, pizza, <laughs> and politics. He's without kick. And he's going to join us to talk about his book, Unmasked the Global Failure of COVID Mask Mandates. And as a bonus, we'll ask the very, very important question. Has Tom Cruise saved Hollywood? For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. So, Ian, I gave your formal introduction in the pre-show. Let me read your your bio at at OutKick. Ian Miller is a former award-watching high school actor. Award-watching? What does that mean? Well, it means I didn't win anything, but I would watch other people win things. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Ice cream expert and long-suffering Dodgers fan. He spends most of his time golfing, eating as much pizza as humanly possible, reading about World War I history, which is interesting, and trying to get the remote back from his dog. You can follow him on Twitter. And of course, we'll let people know that with the uh, little graphics underneath that they can follow you on Twitter, which is a great follow. What kind of dog do you have? He's a mini Bernadoodle. Um, So he's Bernie's Mountain Dog. He would love my mini Labradoodle. You know, doodles, they kind of, they know when there are other doodles. And Bernadoodles are adorable. Name, please, before we forget the dog. Yeah, his name's Indy, like Indiana Jones. Love it. Indy and Jersey would be great playmates. We're going to talk a little bit later about Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise, uh, and the great film Top Gun Maverick. 
But first, I want to get to the the reason that I booked you to begin with, which is to talk about masks. You know, we we have been through a really interesting time frame with these masks. And if you follow the timeline, it's sort of like funky, right? Oh, you don't need to wear a mask. They don't help you. They really don't. They don't help you. I mean, then you know what? You really do need a mask. Now, I would recommend you wear two masks. Uh, maybe you don't need them. Now we don't have them on planes. I don't think we're there ever coming back on planes unless we have some sort of catastrophic of incidents. But for a long time, Ian, I've, I've thought to myself, do these even work? You know, where is the data? Because initially we didn't need them. We must have had some data to back up that claim. So you wrote a book. Why did you decide to pursue this topic? Well, I got I got pretty interested in it early on because, as you said, the, the story changed so quickly, and, and it was it was very confusing. And I lived in Los Angeles, and so obviously LA was was very uh, heavily heavily into COVID measures, including masks. Very early on, we were one of the first areas in the country to have a mask mandate, and so I, I was curious myself. You know, is this helping? Is this working? And, and if it is, we should be able to see it pretty quickly when we compare areas that have mask mandates to those that don't. And in fact, you know, one of the quotes I, I referenced in the book was. From Dr. Fauci himself, basically saying that in a radio interview, saying, you know, if you if you compare the areas that listen to our advice to those that don't, you will see a difference. I guarantee it. That's essentially paraphrasing. That's basically what he said. So, you know, I just did that and I started doing it and and there were other people doing it and doing it very well. But I I wanted to do it consistently and and try to update every day. And I looked U.S., looked internationally um, and started putting together this information. And it, it really started to become apparent very quickly that it really wasn't making a difference. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, there's a, I put together over the last couple of years, I've put together literally thousands of, of charts and graphs and comparing different areas and things. Um, and you know, it's very hard to send somebody to a Twitter feed and say, go check out thousands of graphs. So, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was suggested to me and I thought it made sense to put it down in one place where somebody said, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. Did it work? Did it didn't, did it not work? Well, here you go. Here's, here's one place where you can check every U S state, a bunch of different countries. Uh, and, and, you know, the answer is pretty clear. If you do that, it didn't really make any difference at all. Well, I think there's some admissions about that. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident, that was not your fault. Listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now we're seeing the mask mandates really sort of loosen up, no pun intended, but, you know, and I think... We've had these mea culpa, not really mea culpas, but maybe we should give amnesty to those who enforce some of these these rules, these draconian rules. I still do people see people wearing masks, whether it's at my daughter's basketball game or on an airplane. Everyone's entitled to do what they want to do. 
But what bothers me is if people are misinformed about this, if they are still kneeling at the altar of Dr. Fauci, when they really shouldn't be. Um, it, and it's amazing to me how many interviews he did and how many different things that he said along the way. It was almost like, uh, if I say it this way, I'll cover myself. If I say it that way, I'll cover myself. But to actually have compiled all this, Ian, how long did it take you? Well, you know, the good news is I had done a lot of the, the data work throughout the, the year and a half or so prior to, you know, from the pandemic starting to when the, I finished writing the book. And, um, you know, fortunately, there was a, a community of people on Twitter who very early on were kind of the initial group saying, no, this isn't working. We're pushing back. We can't do lockdowns, can't have schools stay closed, things like that. Um, so, you know, it was we all kind of were talking to each other together and saying, look at what this look at what he said here and look at what we said there. And, you know, can we de debunk this in some way, shape or form? And very often you could. And, and that was part of the problem is you realized pretty early on that a lot of these statements, like you said, that, that he was making and others were making didn't stand up to any scrutiny and or would be immediately disproven just a couple weeks or months later. And one example is there was a, a USA Today article about uh, the Czech Republic. And early on, it seemed like they were doing very, very well with COVID. And the USA Today credited it to mask wearing. So it's a life-saving lesson. If everybody just followed the Czech Republic, we could save lives. And then within a year or so, or less, maybe less than a year after that, the Czech Republic had the highest mortality rate from COVID of any country in the world. And you go, well, you know, you can't credit it. You can't credit masks and say it has the lowest death rate and then go, oh, actually, it doesn't, you know, now it has the highest death rate and completely ignore it. So that was yeah. kind of the goal was to, was to point out we have to be able to hold these people to uh, to account, hold, give them some accountability, um, and show them, you know, if if you were right, this should have maintained the same level of effectiveness for months or years, and it just doesn't. Right, right. I think that's where I'm most bothered through this whole thing is the various storytelling and the fact that I'll just focus on the American public, the American public being so willing to listen to experts. And, and I grant you, Dr. Fauci is somewhat of an expert, but he failed us many times throughout this pandemic. The CDC did as well. The, the, the conflicting information, the, the changing information, the fact that vaccines don't do everything they told us they were going to do. You know, if you just wear your damn mask and if you just get your damn vaccine, you'll be fine. That wasn't true. That just wasn't true. And to promote that sort of definitive message, right? This concrete, this is a, this is a pandemic of the unvaxxed. If you just get your vaccine, you'll be fine. And even now a push for babies to get these vaccines when kids are really not affected. I'll just anecdotally, and my listeners know this, I just finished about my first bout that I know of with COVID. I, I tested positive and I tested positive for probably 10 or 11 straight days. My husband got it just before I did, tested positive about five days. My son got very sick, tested negative throughout his, he had some sort of head cold or something. Neither of my kids got COVID from us. Now I'm not, I don't know the reason why. I really don't. But kids seem to be so less affected by this disease. And yet we're trying to vaccinate six months old. A six month olds. And I, 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 I'm, I'm amazed and I wonder what you find uh, about the way the American public is just so willing to trust people to tell them what to do. 
Yeah, that was one of the things that really surprised me the most. I thought there would be a lot more people standing back, you know, pushing back, standing up and saying, you know, we're not going to do this. We're not going to tolerate it. And unfortunately, it just wasn't really very many people who were willing to, to speak up against it. Um, you know, and, and to be fair, it's like when I when this whole thing started, I was in the camp a little bit of like, you know, I, this is a new thing. We don't know what it is. We don't know how serious it is. It right. makes some sense to listen to people with with subject matter expertise. The problem was yes. they just kept getting everything wrong and they got everything wrong <laughs> from the very beginning. And, and, you know, it's, it's almost like there's that expression that a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, they were never right, right twice a day. That was the problem. I mean, at first it was, we're going to have ICU and uh, our hospital beds are going to be overrun by hundreds of thousands of people in a matter of weeks. And remember there was this great panic to get ships into harbors in LA and New York to, to deal with this influx of COVID patients that never happened. And then it became, yeah. you know, well, masks are the most important thing we could do. They're more effective than a vaccine, more protective. I mean, that's literally what the, the former CDC director said. Um, you know, the Surgeon General was saying, if you just roll up a t-shirt and cover your face with it, you can stop COVID. And then it turns into within a year, oh, actually, you need two masks, not just one, you need two. And then oh, surgical masks aren't good enough, you need an N95. Um, and so just right. that, that constant change, change in messaging, I think, was should have read, led to a, an erosion of trust in public health pretty, pretty quickly. And I think it did over time, but the public just was willing to tolerate so many mistakes and mistakes and mistakes and easily demonstrable mistakes. Um, and it was kind of frustrating to me saying, look, you know, we've given these people a chance to do what they wanted to do. It didn't work. And we have to move on and stop lim and start limiting the harms of the policies that we're doing because not everything you do has a consequence. There's a there's a plus or a minus, and COVID policies were overwhelmingly negative, uh, you know, in terms of economic health and mental health and all those other issues. Um, and we just kind of let them get away with it for much too long. Thankfully, it's it's winding down now. But you know, even the New York City mayor just the other day said we could bring COVID mandates back if we need to. You know, how does that ever end? Right. And, and that gives governments emergency powers that are so powerful that they're, they're not likely to want to let go of them once they have them. We will get to the topic of Top Gun and Tom Cruise and what Steven Spielberg has said about this film. We'll get to that in a minute. But when we come back, I want to talk about what something you just mentioned, where we are now. And also the, the media, you don't work for ABC, NBC or CBS news. And so the mainstream media, how they helped propagate some of this nonsense. Back in just a moment with Ian Miller. So it's amazing. Inflation, even though it's come down a little bit, we still have it. And it's pretty high. And so what does this mean for your food? I mean, I mean, eggs are so expensive. Have you seen that? So look, we don't have the best decision makers in Washington right now. So you got to take care of yourself. You really have to be prepared. So why not stock up on some food that can sit in your cupboard, in your pantry, in your garage, in your basement for 25 years and keep you and your family assured that no matter what happens, you'll have food to survive. This is where Four Patriots comes in. Um, look, this is not ordinary food. Good for 25 years, hand-packed in a family-owned facility in the U.S. of A. And right now you can go to fourpatriots.com, use code Michelle. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-1-L to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including this three-month survival kit. You'll get their famous year-long guarantee after your order, 
plus free shipping on orders over 97 bucks. They're called for Patriots for a really good reason. A portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. So just go to fourpatriots.com, use the code Michelle for 10% off. Again, that's four Patriots, the number four patriots.com, code Michelle, and start building your stockpile. Be prepared. So Ian, you know, and I think everyone should read his book. Just just get the book because it's so insightful. And and like you said, it rather than having to go through a gazillion graphs, you get to just read the book and you're you've got it. Um, just like your Twitter <laughs> handle. And it says, insert whatever credentials you think are important here. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> Unmasked is the book, the global failure of COVID mask mandates. And we still see little kids. This is this bothers me maybe more than anything. They don't have the agency to say, screw you, I'm not wearing this, you know, to preschool. And so where in your assessment are we right now? We've just started 2023. And as you said, the mayor of New York City has said, hey, if we have to bring them back, the mask mandates and the others, we'll bring them back. Do you do you think the general public is sort of seeing through the fog now? Yeah, I do think a, a large part of the, the public is is done with the pandemic. They're done with restrictions, and and thank God for that. It's, it's a long time coming. Um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, the the Omicron variant was just so strong and easily transmissible that everybody got COVID from winter twenty twenty one into twenty twenty two. I mean, everybody did, regardless mm-hmm. of how many times we were vaccinated or how many masks we wore. And I think that was kind of the end where people were, were said, "Wait a second, I did everything I was supposed to do. I was told that getting COVID was you know a moral failing." And that, you know, it was my fault if I got it. Only the bad people got it who didn't listen to public health advice. And then, well, now I, now I've gotten it too. And, and also a lot of people got it and it wasn't a big deal, whether that was, you know, they had had some level of immunity or, uh, you know, they, they were just in good con- physical condition. It didn't affect them very much. And I think that was kind of the end. And in a large part, you can give credit to Stacey Abrams as well, because that photo of her in the school where all the kids were masked and, and she was masked, I think that really helped steal the deal because people were saying this isn't right you know why are these little kids when yeah. we know they're at very little risk why are they forced to be masked um you know i i think what's concerning to me is that it's it's this time frame is actually very compressed where if you look back just a couple of months ago la was threatening to bring back masks in december and we kind of got lucky that you know for whatever reason there really wasn't a big surge of, of infections this past winter um probably because of omicron we had a lot of kind of prior natural immunity to it but yeah. Uh, you know, I do. I do have some concern that for some of these these public health people, some of these politicians, you know, they're so convinced that it worked despite all the evidence uh, that at the first sign of oh, there's a new variant or there's a new, you know, we have a new surge here, a surge there, um, that some of them will go back to it. And we've already seen that where Philadelphia said just this January said, oh, kids have to be masked for the first ten days coming back for, uh, from winter break. Or in LA, kids are still required to mask for ten days if they've had a close contact test positive. So. That's part, of, that's part of the problem. If you let the cat out of the bag and say masks work, there's always going to be an excuse to bring them back, um, even though you know all the evidence suggests that they don't, they're not effective and they don't really help anybody. But they always have that kind of that justification if they need it. Ugh. Which, which again, people really need to beware. This is not conspiracy stuff. This is we've seen it. Governors, mayors, the United States, the federal government. When they have these emergency powers, you've got to almost wrest them away from them. They they enjoy that, it, it, this ability to be able to make people do what they want to do. And I think 
in large part out of fear and manipulation. You talked earlier about how there's the evidence became fairly overwhelming, and yet maybe a lot of people weren't hearing it. Well, you know, when you have someone like Joe Scarborough on, on Morning Joe say, damn, I didn't get that fourth vaccine and or the fourth booster or whatever. So therefore, I, I got COVID again. I can't believe it. If I'd only gotten that fourth vaccine, well, he has no proof that a fourth vaccine would have stopped him from getting COVID again. And then I've got acquaintances who say to me, you know, I got COVID in 2021. It was so bad. But once I got vaccinated, the second time I got it, it wasn't as bad. And it's sort of like, well, are you not factoring in that you had some immunity and that maybe the second time you got it, the strain was different and it wasn't as, you know, terrible as the earlier strain? I'm just amazed at the variety of information and disinformation there is out there on this. And we're three years into it and and it's coming from, you know, all different sources. Whom do you trust? Who do you trust? Mm. That's yeah, a great question. I, I, you know, the mainstream media, I think in general, has done just a, an atrociously bad job with COVID, and, and yeah. which is not surprising. But you know, they they unfortunately kind of led the charge in misinforming people. And and there's, I, you know, one of the things I do in the book is I bring up a lot of these quotes or examples from the media saying, you know, this country did so well. If only we listened to them, we could be successful yeah. too. And then sure enough, you know, a couple of months later, there would, you know, they would have a huge surge and they'd outpace the United States or have a higher you know, cumulative rate, whatever it would might be. Um, and, it, you know, the, I would say that as far as who I trust, I would, I just look to people that have been fairly right about this from the beginning. I mean, nobody's had a hundred percent accuracy, you know, I'm sure I've made sure. mistakes and everybody's makes makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect, but you know, you, you want to at least get an idea that these people were on the right track as from the beginning. And, you know, I think that there's, there's impartial observers that have done a very good job, but there's a lot of the media was not impartial. They were very heavily invested in promoting what Dr. Fauci was saying or what the CDC was saying or, um, you know, what governments were saying. And I think it, it really led to these measures going on a lot longer than it should have. It also meant that they were very hesitant to call out the evidence that was accumulating over time. So, for example, right. uh, when tech, Texas and Mississippi lifted their mask mandates in March of 2021 and Joe Biden called it a Neanderthal, it was Neanderthal decision. Yeah. And, you know, people, yeah. they were saying that uh, Greg Abbott was going to kill people and et cetera in Texas. And then a couple of weeks later and for months later, the cases dropped dramatically in Texas and Mississippi. So why isn't the media covering that? You know, the president of the United States was saying, this is not going to work. This is a Neanderthal move. And then we have literal proof just a couple of weeks later that he was wrong. And the, where's the media to yeah. hold him accountable? Uh, they didn't. They just didn't because they didn't want to. It's it's remarkable. It's been remarkable. And I just hope I really hope and that's something I've tried to do with this podcast is bring voices like yours to the fore. I don't have the audience of the CBS Evening News, but I I just think we've put far too much faith in these institutions that keep failing us. And I'm unsure why that is. So I'm, I'm really grateful to people like you who are willing to spend the time and look at the numbers and deliver us something digestible that tells us we ought to think. The, the, the amazing thing about this is you have so many people saying, follow the science. And yet many of the scientists have been not curious at all about looking at stuff that goes against the grain of what their initial belief was. Anything that, to me, science is about curiosity and asking questions. And we did very little of that. But when we come back, I've got a fun question for you. And that is, did Tom Cruise save Hollywood. That's next. 
We pay attention to so many parts of our health. You know, how's our weight? How's our skin? What about your liver? So the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. So the American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means a lot of people are at risk. I mean, think about what we throw at our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, statins, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. For decades now, your liver has helped you with so many functions of your body. You need to take care of your liver. And here's the solution, liver health formula. The all-natural supplement, which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. Manufactured right here in the USA, approved by American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll get a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3 to keep your heart healthy, and you'll also get four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health. So try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash sideline. That's getliverhelp.com slash sideline and claim your five free bonus gifts. Getliverhelp.com slash sideline. Ian, I'm looking at your page on Outkick. Uh, for those who want to go check it out, outkick.com and find Ian's Ian's page. And the latest from Ian, Steven Spielberg says Tom Cruise saved Hollywood with Top Gun Maverick. Here's what I know about Top Gun Maverick. I have seen it, but before I saw it, everyone who saw it was just gushing. And this is a movie that was the sequel to a movie that was written, what, was it 30 years ago? Top Gun, the original one? Something like that? Yeah, just about, yeah. I mean, and and I remember Top Gun. I was one of it was tremendously popular. Meg Ryan got a big boost from that. Uh it was just it was trem- a great movie. Uh, so Top Gun Maverick comes out. Everybody's gushing. Finally, we take the family and we realize why. It lived up to the hype. But what does Steven Spielberg say about it? Yeah, he, he came up to Tom Cruise uh, at this Oscars nominee luncheon and, and kind of gave him a hug and said, you know, you saved you saved Hollywood and you might have saved the entire theatrical industry, essentially. And, um, you know, I mean, I think he has a, he definitely has a point because you know, if you look at the box office numbers from the last couple of years, they're atrocious. And, you know, some of that is obviously the pandemic and shutdowns and movie theaters were closed. But, um, I, you know, I think a large part of it too is just that Hollywood has not put out a lot of compelling entertainment. And uh, I think exactly what your experience was is exactly why he might be right because people were, you know, that was one of the first movies in a long time that had word of mouth of people talking to each other and saying, you got to yes. go see this movie. You'll really enjoy it. And people yeah. could bring their whole families to it and, and know that they, weren't going to get lectured to, they weren't going to get preached to, they weren't going to be, you know, made to feel bad or, or have to explain something to their kids later on. Anti-American. Just, yeah. You're right. Why, it, you should it, feel, it, feel guilty. Yeah, exactly. It was just good entertainment. It was family friendly, fun entertainment. And, you know, that's the kind of movie that Hollywood used to make a lot of, and, and they've really stopped. And it's something I'm very passionate about because I love movies and I love the industry, but it's, it's really unfortunately turned in the last, I would say four or five years where, you know, now the movie can't just be made, uh, you know, to tell a story. It has to be to sell an agenda. And, and that's, you know, yeah. Top Gun didn't do that. 
and it did unbelievably well. And, and you know, there's a lesson to be learned there, but I don't know if Hollywood's going to be able to learn it. You wonder, um, and that's amazing because ultimately they want to make money and this film made a ton of money and you would think, okay, just jump on the bandwagon. Let's make some money. You know, one of the other uh, elements of this picture that I think really touched people was that he didn't take the Taiwanese flag off of his jacket, you know, as the, as the posters wanted him to do. And he celebrated American excellence and American greatness and, um, in so many ways. And it was so well done. I, I, it was it was funny, like you said. There was no lecturing. It even though he celebrated American excellence, it wasn't in a shove it down your throat kind of way. It was in a really organic way. I, there was something for everyone. I had a thirteen year old there. I had a sixteen year old there. We all enjoyed it thoroughly. My husband as well. And I'm wondering, you know, we haven't had the Oscars yet. We know it's coming up. This film was nominated. I think it has six nods, right? And and uh, I'm just wondering what you think. What are the chances it can win Best Picture? I don't. I don't think they're very high. I mean, I think that they 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 had to do give it a nomination because you know that was to, to generate interest in the uh, in the broadcast and to to show oh we're going to still going to reward movies that are are good and fun that aren't serious dramas or you know that are very agenda driven, but. I don't think it's very likely. I, I, at the end of the day, I think a lot of, and especially in recent years, we've seen Hollywood kind of reward much smaller dramas and you know ones that have more of a uh, a message to it. And and also, you know, a lot of them don't really necessarily agree with the message of Top Gun Maverick. Um, you know, the people making the movies, some of them don't really want to make movies that are not specifically politically motivated. Um, even though, as you say, it's a business and you should want to make money, but they, for whatever reason, Hollywood seems willing to sacrifice money. I mean, I read about Disney a lot and so does other people at Outkick, at Outkick but you know, Disney has been just making flop after flop after flop uh, because every movie they come out with has some agenda that they're trying to push. And it, you know, there you'd think at some point this enough would be enough. You know, you lose $500 million on three movies, you change course, but they're not willing to do it. And I think the gen- the industry in general has really moved away from, rewarding movies like Top Gun at, at the, uh, at the Oscars, but we'll see. I, you know, I would love it if it, if it did win, it'd be great. Uh, I just don't think it's particularly likely. You know, when, what, do I remember this title, right? The green book mm-hmm. that when that film won, I like jumped through the roof because I thought that, that the message of that film was actually very unifying. I thought it was a really beautiful message just as I think this one is. So what uh, what wins do you think then? I mean, I, I don't know how much you've gotten to see of all the nominations, but I I, I, I couldn't even tell you another one right now. I, cu- I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't tell you another nominee right now uh, for, for Best Picture. I could not. I, I don't know. Part of it is the reason you've explained. I, I grew up in L.A. I was I used to love going down there to watch the, the nominees show up at the Oscars. I, I wanted to be an actress when I was a little girl. You couldn't get me to the movies now if you paid me. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, no, I'll, I think I'll just binge watch something that's really worth binge watching. But uh, so yeah. I am so out of it now because it's been so disappointing to me, Ian. It's been, it, it's just like, really, I've got to sit through this crap. So it, is there a favorite at this point for best picture? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, like the betting favorite would be. I think uh, I've heard Tar has a good chance uh, that people seem to really like ah. that one. I haven't seen it. Um, you know, the Fablemans was, a, it was Spielberg's movie and, 
it, it's, right. it's gotten very generally very positive reviews and it's uh, people generally kind of like, especially in Hollywood, like those, those types of movies where it's kind of an auto semi-autobiographical and kind of about making movies that those movies generally kind of do well at the Oscars. Um, you know, I, all quiet on the Western front was outstanding talking about world war one. That's one of my, my very, you know, my interests. So that was outstanding, but yeah. I don't, foreign language movies, they have, they have one recently. We just saw a parasite one a few years ago. Um, so, and you know, I, I like, did possible. you like parasite? I did. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I did really too. Good. Yeah. Um, so we'll, well see. I, I think it's going to be, I think it could be tar. Go ahead. I was going to say, what's I think inter- it could be tar. It, then that is interesting, Ian, because friends of mine, I haven't seen it either, but friends of mine who have seen it said the, the message goes very against sort of the uh, political correctness of the day. And so that to me is is really fascinating as well. I've yet to see Tar. I've heard it's very good. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'll see it, but um, I think if it does win Best Picture, I might be compelled. She's certainly uh, a favorite for Best Best Actress. I guess we still are we still are we still delineating between actress and actor in Hollywood? <laughs> a couple more years, I think. Well, and then it'll it'll go oh, away. Okay. But for now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Um, I I just hope the pendulum starts to come back to stuff that people like. You know, just stuff that people and we all have different tastes, but clearly, clearly. When you have grown men crying at the end of Top Gun or at certain scenes of Top Gun Maverick, you know, and, and people raving about it, I just, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you go in that direction? I just, I don't know, Ian, but uh, I enjoyed your writing. I enjoy following you on Twitter. Again, people can find him at outkick.com. You can read all of his stuff there. It's, it's really interesting. You've got just a whole, like you said, a bunch of Disney uh, I mean, baseball stuff, um, mask rules. It's really cool. And I'm, I'm impressed and I've enjoyed having you and I hope we can do it again on some other topic. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Again, Ian Miller, um, on Twitter and you can order the book unmasked the global failure of COVID mask mandates. If you really kind of want to examine the numbers in a digestible way, in a way that tells you the story that you may not have been told by others, this might be the way to get it done. Thanks for listening to Sideline Sanity, everyone. He is Ian Miller. I'm Michelle Tafoya. And don't forget to be brave and do good. Thanks for listening. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.